Thank you. Um, just as we start this morning, uh, I'd like you to uh, see if you can imagine a time when you were really thirsty. Okay, so maybe you've been out doing exercise, uh, you've just got back from a run, or you've been cycling and you've gone up to the top of a really tall hill, and uh, oh, you're just feeling really thirsty. Or, or maybe you've been on your feet all day, uh, you'd forgotten to stop uh, and have a drink, and you get to the end of the day and suddenly you just realize how thirsty you are. Or maybe you're on holiday uh, in a hot, dry climate, and even being outside for a short time, suddenly you, you just realize how thirsty you are. Or perhaps, like me, you've just eaten a, a pepperoni passion pizza from Domino's, <laughs> and uh, you forgot to drink enough water to counteract all the salt. So uh, in the middle of the night, you wake up and you just realize how dry your mouth is and how thirsty you are. I don't know if anyone else relates to that. <laughs> Um, I say this just to try to help you start remembering your experiences of physical thirst. Because at the end of today's passage, Jesus speaks into the context of thirst with a powerful and simple invitation to the thirsty. And I just want you to be pondering that question throughout this morning. Are you thirsty? Before we jump to that point, though, uh, we're going to read through today's passage uh, we're going to spend some time walking through it from where Dan um, left us last week, and then we'll spend the second half of this morning thinking about that invitation that Jesus gives to the thirsty. Uh, just a quick reminder before we read the passage, um, just of where we find ourselves in John. So we're midway through chapter 7. We're partway through this uh, Jewish festival of tabernacles, uh, which was an autumn festival in the Jewish calendar, originally an agricultural celebration that came to be associated with a wilderness journey after the Exodus. Uh, it was a joyous festival that celebrated the harvest and God's graciousness to his people. I'm imagining a, a kind of a cross between a Christian festival, I don't know if any of you have been, things like Spring Harvest or New Wine or, or perhaps Catalyst Festival, and something like Farsley Festival as well. Lots of people in the streets, but also people gathered, in this case, thousands of people coming into Jerusalem for this special purpose. Lots of hustle and bustle, lots of people ready to celebrate, hear from religious leaders, uh, and to pray to God, in this case, for his blessing on next year's harvest and for rain to grow the, grow the crops. And we're going to hear Jesus speak into the theme of water on the last and final day of the festival at the end of today's passage. Um, and yeah, as we hear from the crowd um, and from Jesus, I'd like you to try and imagine yourself at this festival. Try to imagine where you find yourselves in the story and try to imagine this hot, dusty climate as well. Um, I wonder if you're starting to feel thirsty already, just thinking of it. Um, last Sunday, we heard um, some of the crowd chattering, um, some of the opposition to Jesus, some of the uncertainty. Who is Jesus? What, what, is, what is he doing here? Um, and that continues through today's passage. And whilst this kind of flows through the story, it doesn't all happen you know, one after the other. This is a kind of a few days sort of festival. And so there's points here. I w you know, if you imagine someone's just come and heard somebody speak and there's people whispering and chattering, oh, do you know, you know, Jesus is here, you know, this kind of thing. And then at, at some other point, Jesus might have stood up and, and addressed that. Um, so John sort of puts these bits together that we're going to read through just to try and make some points. 
Um, so that's just worth, worth bearing in mind. Um, so we will start off from um, John chapter 7, and it's verses 25 to 39 today. Um, they should come up on the screen, but um, feel free to grab your Bibles as well. So <clears throat> from verse 25. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. And then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live, scattered among the Greeks, and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So um, as we follow this story then to that uh, last and greatest day of the festival, um, there's a couple of encounters that, uh, that Jesus uh, interacts with the, the crowd and the Jewish people on. So the first one, um, we hear a, a sort of muttering from the crowd and we can hear a sense of uncertainty. The crowd are saying, is not this the man they're trying to kill? But hang on, we, we, we know where he's from and oh, the Messiah, we don't know where he's from. And that you can just feel the kind of confusion in the air. Um, it's almost they're, they're sort of debating within themselves and um, yeah, they're just, you can just feel that confusion. Um, and Jesus' response here is, is not what we would expect. Um, as he does throughout John's gospel, Jesus surprises us. We, maybe we think they've said, oh, we, we know where you're from. Maybe Jesus is going to say, yes, you know where, where I'm from, but do you know where I'm really from? You know, just sort of answering their question. But Jesus actually goes deeper than that. He agrees that they do indeed know where he comes from. In other words, that in this case, he's come to Jerusalem from Galilee. But he turns the question around and he says, in fact, that they are ignorant of something. It's not ignorance of Jesus and where he comes from, but it's ignorance of God. 
It isn't that they, they do know God, but they aren't sure if Jesus comes from God. It's that they don't even know God, and therefore they can't associate Jesus with God. I think that kind of thing can still be the same today, that people come, they look at Jesus, and they draw conclusions about him based on wrong ideas of God and of the world. But the Christian message insists that people must learn afresh who God is, what the world is, and who we, we ourselves are by looking at Jesus, and that that's the right way around. And this, is, this challenge is also for us in the church. Um, I feel, personally, reflecting on, on some of these uh, passages we've been reading in John recently, um, that uh, some of my ideas of God have been expanding. Um, some of the way that Jesus responds to people and to different situations in John, I sometimes think to myself, I thought Jesus was nicer than this, like, and I thought Jesus would make this clearer, but why is, he, why is he so confusing? Why can't he just make it easier for people to understand? But uh, he do, in, in John's gospel, he does speak like that often, like in a quite cryptic way. But I've learned to, to understand more of God's character through this, of his mystery, of his adventure, of his sort of unknowing, and in that, how he beckons us to come closer. And even in his kindness, in, in, in inviting us to battle through those questions, those uncertainties, maybe that's something for you to be thinking of um, you know, today and, and for the rest of this series. What are you learning afresh of God through this series? Uh, moving back to the passage and uh, onto the second encounter. Uh, basically, Jesus says those things, and then there's a few reactions to him. So we get some people who... Well, actually, just going back to that picture I brought at the beginning of, of being in the festival and imagining yourselves in it, it's not that everyone necessarily heard that response that Jesus gave, but maybe people are whispering in the festival, oh, did you hear what Jesus said there? Oh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and some people react in different ways. So you've got some people that um, they start pushing against him and, and they're trying to arrest him. Other people, they, um, they start believing, it says in the passage. And, and the priests hear that and they try to arrest him. But it's interesting here that John makes it really clear that no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. It's sort of speaking of Jesus in control throughout, and John, throughout the gospel, makes it clear to us that Jesus is in control of everything. Yet last week we heard that um, Jesus only went to the festival by his own plan in secret. He, he's always in control throughout the gospel, and John wants us to know that. Uh, so in response then to the religious leaders, trying to arrest him, Jesus again speaks, and this is a sort of second encounter that he has with them. And again, it's quite a surprising, confusing way. So he's spoken in the first time of where he comes from, and now he speaks of where he's going. Again, he speaks of, of his authority. He says, then I am going to him who sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me. Um, and I, you know, the, the, the religious leaders are then totally confused again. And I think I probably would have been uh, if I'd been in their situation. I think now, um, coming from the place that we are and kind of knowing the rest of the story, we can kind of follow what Jesus is saying a bit more. He says, I'm going to him who sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me. And he's sort of talking about the road that he's on to his death, to his resurrection, and then to his glory again when he'll be back with the one who sent him. Uh, and they even ask, um, does he intend to go to speak to the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Uh, and I thought this, again, this is another interesting bit because no, he's not going to the Greeks, 
But John includes this maybe because after Jesus is glorified, uh, in Acts, we find that the gospel does go to the Greeks. And maybe that's why John adds that in. So we've followed a few more interactions of Jesus uh, with the crowd. And we're now getting to these final verses. Um, And this is the, the last and the greatest day of the festival. Again, Jesus doesn't engage with that that question that the crowd had, that, that the Jews had about, you know, what does he mean? But he goes on and he speaks about this invitation. It, again, it's, it's quite surprising that he doesn't address that, but he moves on to the invitation. But the invitation is, is, is quite simple, but it's also surprising and confusing as well. Um, so we're going we're gonna to run through that next. So the context to this. Uh, As part of the celebrations of tabernacles, this festival that they're all gathering for, the priest would pour freshly drawn water on the altar as a prayer to God that God would bless next year's rain and crops as they celebrate the harvest festival and start looking to the next year. So the theme of water and the theme of new life would have been right at the forefront of people's minds. Again, try to imagine yourself there, still with this confusion going on, Where is he from? Where is he going? And then on this day, Jesus cries out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John adds at the end, By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus here then, in the context of the priests pouring out water, asking for God's life, giving water to grow their crops and bless their lives, says, come to me and drink. He is saying that he is the one to look to for blessing, for water and for life. The invitation here also echoes uh, Isaiah 55. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. There's that invitation that that God gives us, that in this case, Jesus invites us to him. And there's an interesting story that I read recently about um, about scientists in South Africa who have been studying this uh, this species of plant, which are called resurrection plants. And uh, it's interesting because these plants appear dead. They're they're so shriveled and and uh, they, 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 they... uh, they live in a, in a, a very arid climate, and um, without water, they, they get into this state called hyperdormancy, where they, they shrivel right up, waiting for this water that they so desperately need, and they look, they look like they're dead. But when the rains come, these plants suddenly, just a drop of water, they spring back to life, suddenly brimming again with robust well-being, uh, it's as if they had been resurrected. Uh, and I think this is a, a, such a simple but a profound illustration for our souls as well. Without God's living water welling up from within us, our souls can settle into that hyperdormancy, sometimes so long-lasting that it might even feel like death. But Jesus promised here that for those who trust him, rivers of living water will brim and spill out of their depths. That's the the message version of that verse. He knows what we need. We need his river of life to be established in us. 
And in these verses, there's, there's lots that I could go into a bit deeper, but I just wanted to say a few things. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the scriptures that Jesus mentions, talk a little bit about the spirit that John sort of explains, and then a, a bit more about that invitation that Jesus brings. So the scriptures um, that Jesus speaks of, he says, the, riv- the rivers of living water will flow from within them. It's interesting that while he does say, the scriptures say this, when we look back at the Old Testament, there's not actually a specific quote that he takes. Um, and so different scholars think he might have me- meant different things. Uh, but there's actually, there's two that I've, I'm going to bring out and take a look at. The first is Exodus 17. Um, so this is the story of God's people in the wilderness, uh, maybe a parallel from um, today's festival of the tabernacles that they're celebrating. Um, they're on their long journey towards the new land. And this, this also comes just after the, the running out of food story where the Israelites, where, where God sends the manna down. And if you remember from a few weeks ago, we looked at the feeding of the 5,000. So there's probably some parallels here as we're now looking at water. So uh, in Exodus 17, um, they, they're grumbling again. There's not enough water to drink, and, and the people are thirsty, and they start grumbling to Moses, why did you even lead us out of Egypt? Our life was better back then. Um, and, uh, and so God tells Moses to take his staff, to strike the rock, and water will come out of it. So Moses does this in the sight of everyone, all the elders, and he strikes the rock, and water comes out. Uh, so despite their grumbling and despite all that God had done for them in leading them out of Egypt, he still provides again this life-giving water for them in the wilderness. The second passage that Jesus might have been talking about when he uh, brings out this, these scriptures uh, is Ezekiel 47. Um, I'm just going to read a, a few verses from it. Um, but here, this is the prophet Ezekiel um, who sees a vision of the rebuilding of the temple um, and, speak, and, and talks about a metaphor that speaks of the glory of God dwelling among his people. So I'm just going to quickly find it. Um, so, so, um, so the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And then a few more words, and then it says, He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. And then he sees a great number of trees on each side of the river. And the water's flowing, and then he says, There will be large numbers of fish, because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And then near the end of that bit, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So this this scripture... um, the temple is, is at the center of their lives and land. And from that, a river of water flows out, bringing life to the nations. The, the bit at the end, their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. And there's actually, this is echoed in Revelation at the end of the Bible. Um, 
Ian Galloway, who spoke here um, a few months ago, uh, he compares these two stories uh, in his book on John, and he asks us, which story are we in? Are, do we feel like we're in the desert? We've, we've been released from slavery, we've left uh, Egypt, um, and, but maybe we still find ourselves struggling in a dry and lifeless place. Maybe our former lives, before we became Christians, uh, maybe they look better, maybe we wish, oh, why do we even start this journey? Or perhaps we're, the Ezekiel passage means more to us. Maybe we're living in that dream, in that beautiful garden city, in the presence of God all around us with abundance filling every horizon. But the answer he suggests actually is both, that both the Exodus story and the Ezekiel vision are both real. Our experience of Jesus now is a great foretaste of what's to come, but it lands in the middle where everything has still gone wrong. And to follow Jesus is to live in this tension. We do receive the outpouring of God's spirit within us now, but yet we are walking through a desert to a country which we've not yet arrived at with only God for company and only God for refreshment that will keep us alive. The second thing that I'd like to pick up on is, um, is John, going back to the passage, is John's um, explanation that he kind of adds at the end to say, um, I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here. Uh, is John wants us to understand that Jesus here is talking about the spirit who those who believed in him were later to receive. When talking about the spirit, I just wanted to note a few things. So there's a comparison here with praying for the gift of water to grow crops, which is what they're doing in the festival, and also that when we receive the Spirit, it's also a gift. It's a gift for those who believe. After Jesus was glorified, we, we did receive that Spirit at Pentecost. God poured out his Spirit, and we read also in Joel that in those days, God will pour his Spirit on all people, on all believers. The gift of the Spirit is open to all, to all believers. So if you've never received the Spirit, now is as good a time as any to ask God to receive the Spirit. Or maybe you've received the Spirit before. The New Testament encourages us to continue to be filled with the Spirit. It's, it's a present continuous verb. And people sometimes use the analogy of water to talk about the Spirit, that we're, we're leaking and that we need to be filled up again. So again, today might be a great opportunity to ask God to fill you afresh with his Spirit. If you have already received the Spirit, are you still thirsty for more of his Spirit? And I think there'll, there'll be some opportunity at the end as we're worshipping, maybe with the people around you or people next to you, to, to invite the Spirit to come and be filled afresh this morning. The third bit that I wanted to pick up on um, in the passage um, and on this last and greatest day of the festival is, is this uh, invitation that Jesus gives. And uh, as I was preparing this, uh, this talk this morning, um, I feel like this, this question God's really put on my heart for us to consider this morning. It's this question, although Jesus doesn't ask it, he says, anyone who is thirsty. But the question is, this morning, are you thirsty? Are you feeling tired? Are you worn out? Remember those images I shared at the beginning of physical thirst. Is that where your soul is at, at the moment? Are you thirsty? And another question for us to think about, 
where do we go to satisfy? If we are feeling thirsty, where do we go to satisfy that at the moment? I'm sure you all know what those places are for you. Will you choose to come to Jesus again? Maybe you've been to Jesus and you haven't felt his refreshment. Maybe you feel like the psalmist in Psalm 42, who says, um, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And then later in that Psalm, he says, I say to God, why have you forgotten me? The psalmist is so desperate for, for, for God. What if God has put that thirst in us because he wants us to come closer? What if God is the one who is pursuing us, even when we feel he might be distant? Here, Jesus invites us closer. He pursues us. He is the one who initiates this invitation. He is the one who always wants to draw us closer. The question for us is, will we come? As Jesus invites us, will we allow him in to heal and to restore us? And that's, that's why I've said it's a simple invitation. There are some confusing parts, but it's a simple invitation. Will we come to Jesus? The best things in life, they're not always cheap or easy or convenient, but they are worth it. They involve our participation, but they begin with God's initiation to us. Would you be willing to come to Jesus? Not everyone feels able. It's, it's your choice. Will you come to Jesus? What does it mean then for us to come closer and to receive? I think coming to Jesus is admitting that we are thirsty and admitting that we need Jesus. But it's not about doing more, not about trying harder. It's just about receiving, receiving his love, his affection for us, his gift, his pursuit of us. And I know it's hard to find that time when life is so busy, but sometimes it's just about receiving him in those small moments, just stopping and just receiving, not striving. Even now, uh, in the few minutes that we, we have of worship afterwards, um, this might be a great opportunity to seize one of those moments and simply receive from God. Um, maybe you're thinking, why would we want to do that? What does it mean for me? Why, why should I receive the Spirit? Why should I come to Jesus and drink? Uh, I'm just about managing things as they are. What's the point of this? Uh, and I just, I think there's four reasons that, well, four reasons that I could think of, of why we would want to come to Jesus. One is that Jesus is the truth. He, it doesn't say in John, but it says elsewhere that Je he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. And therefore, it's, the right, it's right to come to him and follow him. Secondly, Jesus' way is the best for us. So when he says, are you thirsty? Come to me. It's because he knows that that's the best thing for us. Thirdly, um, other things don't satisfy us. Even though they promise that they do, they don't. Only Jesus can satisfy us. And then fourthly, the Spirit connects us to the life of God when we receive the Spirit. The Jews, they had God's law in the story, and yet they were still thirsty. Um, just before we close, um, I'd just like us to be um, 
just for a, a couple of moments, just to uh, listen to our own response, our own reaction to this invitation, our own reaction to the different questions that I've been bringing over the last few minutes. Um, maybe there's some questions surfacing in your own mind as, as you've been hearing that. And maybe you've been thinking, um, this, this can't be for me, or I've tried this before. You know, just listen to your, yourself um, what questions are surfacing. And also try to listen to your emotions. What, what, what are you feeling right now? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling excited for this invitation? Are you feeling a sense of dread? Maybe a sense of disqualification? Maybe a sense of curiosity, happiness, expectation? Or perhaps it's sadness, maybe it's anger. It's important to tune in to, to our emotions and to what we're feeling. Um, as these can be indicators of, of what God wants to say and what God wants to speak into these situations. I'm just going to um, invite the, uh, Adam and the, the band up uh, in, in a moment, and we're, um, we've got some time now um, just to, to receive from God, um, to receive from the Spirit, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm just going to pray just to close us. Father God, I thank you for this invitation that you bring to us, Lord. Thank you that you say, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Lord, thank you that you invite us um, wherever we are, wherever we're feeling, wherever we've been, um, wherever we're at this morning, um, you invite us. Um, and we thank you, God, that your spirit refreshes us. Your spirit gives us new life. Um, and we just invite you to, to come and be with us um, this morning as we, as we worship, um, as we listen to you and as we receive from you. Help us to, um, to open our, our hearts, our lives to you this morning um, and choose to, to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.